Oh yeah, now that is an intro. Welcome one, welcome all to the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode four, and that was Brian Rosebrook with the new intro. Uh, one of our buddies that's been in the CP League since the beginning. Woo, what did you think about that, buddy? Yeah, that just brought the podcast to a new level. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel, I feel a, like it's only downhill from there. It's quite possible. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a variety of talents in the uh, in the CP League, so we appreciate Brian bringing it with that sweet intro. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure be working some more of that in as, as an outro, um, maybe even some transitions, I think, as we kind of continue to move forward on the pod. Uh, so welcome once again to episode four of the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you back. Today, we are going to be talking about tight ends and, um, at least to us, the glamour position on defense, linebackers. Uh, it's always been the glamour position in our league. Um, we actually have our uh, league of record, uh, so the CP League draft coming up tomorrow. Uh, Brandon, you feeling prepared? Yep, I'm, I'm ready. It's probably one of the highlights of the year, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. Absolutely. The, the 20th CP League draft uh, It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I actually, you know, kind of uh, shook off some of the cobwebs last night. I had my first live draft. Um, shout out to the uh, the guys of 84 Lumber um, in the, the Maryland, Southern Maryland area. Um, very, very fun draft. Um, very unique draft setup. These guys have actually been going longer than we have. Uh, 31 years is what I was told last night. So they've been drafting since 1990. Um, I think back then you actually literally had to open the newspaper um, yep. and you had to find the stats yourself. Um, man, kudos to those guys. Cause that's pretty, that's pretty incredible stuff. Um, so this is, uh, this is going to be an exciting episode for us. Um, before we get into the tight ends and the linebackers, we have a ton of news out there, things that I'm sure a lot of you are thinking about as you're going into your draft. So Brandon, can you kick us off with the news? Yeah, I mean, I think for anyone, the biggest news was obviously Leonard Fournette getting released by the Jaguars. I mean, he was kind of that top end, maybe mid-tier running back two with the Jaguars. Um, so it was really interesting to see where he ended up. You, you kept hearing all the rumors. It, obviously, New England got brought up. Then you heard Kansas City. Well, he finally landed with Tampa Bay, which I, that Bucks situation now is just incredibly concerning for me. I don't know what they're going to do at running back. Obviously... Fournette was the fourth overall pick a few years ago, so he's clearly talented. But when you look at some of the other people they got, I mean, you still have Ronald Jones there. You still have LaShawn McCoy there, which, I mean, he's just the name at this point. But then you also have, they used a third-round pick on Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, how are they going to divide up this position now? Like, I, I just, I don't know. It looks like a mess to me. You drafting any of these guys? Nope. I am not. I am staying away from all of them. It, it just because I don't know. Like you, you hear conflicting reports out of camp about Ronald Jones. He he looks great, but then you still go out and get Leonard Fournette. Like which to me means that was just coach speak. Like <laughs> he probably wasn't looking that great. And then like I said, you have a, a Keyshawn Vaughn who was kind of being viewed as like kind of like that James White, that receiver type, running back out of the backfield how much time does he get now when you have a Fournette and a Ronald Jones? Like, 
I don't know. I feel like all of them take a hit and, and to the point where Leonard Fournette is maybe an RB3. Like, I don't think Ronald Jones is draftable. I don't think Vaughn is draftable. No, I would and agree. I, I think if we knew who the pass-catching back was, that person would be draftable, but there's no obvious James White candidate there. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's going to be like a waiver wire priority if, you know, if that person emerges, whoever that is. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I, there has been a lot of hype for Ronald Jones. Um, it's good that this news came out before our draft because I'm sure I would have been targeting Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a real bummer for, for him because it seems like he's put a lot of work in. But, I mean, I do think that this speaks volumes that uh, some combination of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians did not feel comfortable with Ronald Jones. Um, you know, that's the only reason that you bring in a Leonard Fournette. Uh, I can't imagine that Fournette signs there if they're like, you know, come in and compete. Um, maybe yeah. we'll put you on the back end of the roster. You can play special teams. Um, you know, for, Fournette's there to play. Um, I... I don't, you know, I would agree with you that I, I wouldn't spend any high draft capital on Leonard Fournette, um, but I think if there's someone you draft on this team, it's Fournette. Um, what what this yeah. feels like, you never know, but what this feels like is LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, I think a lot of us remember yeah. when LeGarrette Blunt was with the Patriots, and, uh, you know, they used to love just letting him hammer the rock for three yards. Um, that's not worth a whole lot, um, but if this, you know, Tom Brady led Bucks offense um, is like you know old Patriots offense is uh, proficient in getting the ball into the red zone. Legarrette Blunt had pretty incredible fantasy value for a year. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Fournette could be really good. Um, with that being said, I wouldn't put high odds on it, and I would not spend any high draft capital um, on Leonard Fournette. I mean, I think the only thing, and, and obviously Blunt's a great comparison here but like if you're in a touchdown heavy league and obviously I haven't had much experience in those but like they are out there if you're a touchdown heavy league I think Leonard Fournette's value increases in that regards but I mean other than that I don't really see any kind of reason to say you see this move and you say oh yeah I'm targeting Fournette in my draft yeah I would I would agree um what other news has been out there yeah, and obviously, just continuing on with the Jaguars fire sale, um, Yannick Nagakwe got traded, finally. Uh, he heads up to Minnesota. Um, he plays with the Vikings now. And, and, I mean, for me, I, I think we tweeted it out, which follow us on Twitter at Mildly Defensive. I think it, it, his value goes up. I think him and Hunter, on the other end, both of them get a bump here now because <laughs> – any offensive line trying to block these two guys, they're they're only going to be able to double one of them. They're only going to be able to put a tight end next to their offensive tackle on one side, and, and I mean the the other one's going to just feast. Um, so I mean, for me, I felt like this was a perfect place for him. He's going to have a great year, um, and, and this is a situation where it doesn't take away from Hunter's value. I think it only makes it better. Yeah, we had tweeted that, and this really solidifies Hunter as the the DL1. You know, I think he was being taken there anyway, but there were certainly question marks about, you know, without Everson Griffin there anymore, um, is there a tremendous amount of attention paid to Hunter? Could they possibly take him out of games? Uh, You can't do that anymore, not with Ngakwe there. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, this was a very scary defensive line. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I think there's question marks as a whole about the Vikings defense, but not their defensive ends. They're, they're going to be incredible. Yeah. I mean, obviously you, you worry about their cornerbacks, but they got one of the best safety duos in the NFL. Um, and, and they're clearly going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback, which makes your entire defense better when a quarterback only has a second in the pocket to get rid of the ball. <laughs> Absolutely. And you think based on last year and, you know, this is a team that wants to grind the clock. This is a team that wants to get the lead and run the ball. Um, and that yeah. puts pressure on the opposing offense to try to make something happen. Um, that kind of pressure is something that those defensive ends are going to feast on. Uh, I, I love these two players for sure. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like, so those are some, the Nagakwe news was good news. Then you have the bad news of Derwin James. This guy, this poor guy can't stay healthy. I mean, he's one of the, when he's on the field, he's one of the best safeties in the league, um, but he just can't stay healthy. He's not going to be out, I believe, six to eight months. He had a, a knee injury. I think it was his meniscus. Um, I think this position, whoever replaces him, is going to be good. Obviously, People try to start connecting the dots and saying, oh, Gus Bradley's your defensive coordinator, and Earl Thomas used to play for Gus Bradley when they were up in Seattle. <laughs> and Anthony Lynn pretty quickly squashed those rumors, and he said, this is his quote, was, since you guys are constantly telling me how stacked my secondary is, why the hell would I be looking anywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty awesome quote. <laughs> it's a fantastic quote and, and I mean it kind of ended that Earl Thomas rumors pretty quickly um for me I think one of the guys that I'm looking at at that position as a potential replacement is Desmond King um he was their nickel last year um and then they they go out and they get a Chris Harris uh junior who steps in Desmond King wasn't really seeing any kind of snaps in camp um he was actually potentially going to be a cut um, he can now step into that safety position. And I think he could be some great value for those people. Like later in the rounds that are overlooking him, he's, he would be a guy to target that could provide you good value throughout the season. I think last year, didn't he um, return kicks for them as well? Yes. Yep. And I there's a lot of leagues that, that don't add that in, but if you're in a league that has that return yardage as well. That's a really nice bump for an individual yep. defensive player to have that as well. It gives them a very high floor. Um, you know, so if that's the situation for your league, yeah, King could be a great one to target. Uh, the, the Derwin James news is very sad. You know, that the first thing that I remember thinking to myself was, man, like I, I wonder if they regret not re-signing Adrian Phillips. Um, mm. You couldn't, you couldn't have predicted this, obviously, and and it is a bummer because he's such a great young player. Um, this is one of the reasons, at least in terms of safety, that you know when we talked about the defensive backs, um, I had mentioned that I was highest on Landon Collins, mostly for the reason that I felt like he was the safest of the yep. DB ones. Um, this is a you know definitely a hit to the position. There's few elite players, and Derwin James is one of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then obviously the other safety news was um, Xavier McKinney going down with the foot injury, um, and the Giants decided to go out and get Logan Ryan, who last year Logan Ryan was a star 
in IDP uh, in, in the Titans defense. He was the um, defensive back one, the highest yeah. scoring defensive. Back. I mean, I mean, he was he was just an absolute star, um, and it was kind of surprising that he hadn't been signed yet this off season. And it came out that one of the reasons why he hadn't been signed yet was he didn't want to play cornerback anymore. He viewed himself as a safety, and he was holding out for a safety position. Well that presented itself now with the Giants and he's going to step in as their starting safety and he's he's tricky because I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to look at his stats last year and target him high so it's not like he can be a sleeper per se um it's one of those weird situations where he changes positions he changes teams and he probably is going to still produce like a DB1 maybe not the top DB1 but he'll definitely be top 10, I would imagine, um, as their starting safety. Yeah, this is a very interesting situation. I mean, I, I do think that he was absolutely signed to replace Xavier McKinney. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what this defense looks like. But, you know, Patrick Graham is a, a Belichick disciple. He likes the multiple defenses. Um, mm-hmm. We don't fully know yet what this is going to look like for the Giants. Um, but I do think they saw Xavier McKinney as that, you know, uh, cliche, like movable chess piece. Um, I think that's 100% why they signed Logan Ryan, you know, after they mm-hmm. lost McKinney was to be that movable chess piece. Um, so, you know, one thing that will definitely be interesting for Logan Ryan is depending on what site you're on to see what position he's listed at. Um, yeah. If you are in a, a league where you have to start corners and Logan Ryan gets corner eligibility, uh, that could be a cheat code because um, I would have to guess <laughs> that they're going to play Logan Ryan all over the field um, and he's going to be put in positions to make some plays um, for your standard leagues. Just like Brandon said, viewing him as a defensive back, wherever you were going to take Xavier McKinney, I'd basically take Logan Ryan there because yeah. um, I think that the production's probably not going to be too much different. McKinney's probably got higher upside, you know, with youth and more athleticism, but Logan Ryan has the smarts. He's going to be around the ball more, probably more of an opportunity to make big plays. Um, so I, I, I like Logan Ryan, um, but I wouldn't be reaching high for him. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, there's going to be someone that's just going to look at his stats from last year and, and take him high. Um you don't necessarily have to be that person. And then I think the other news that we should cover just because, you know, at the top of a draft, this is news that is likely um, on the minds of a lot of people that are drafting right now. Uh, So we had um, a triad of running backs that were all (laughs) at least allegedly holding out. Um, Some of them just not practicing. Some of them maybe or maybe not having migraines. Um, some of them maybe or maybe not getting traded. Um, who knows what's going on these days? Um, but the the wild part about it is all three of them are projected potential first round picks in fantasy drafts. Uh, yeah. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. Um, so we got a little bit of news on all three of these. Uh, let's start with the positive one, Joe Mixon. Brandon? Yeah, so, I mean, Joe Mixon, so, um, I'm not going to – Joe Mixon – was having migraines and was missing practice and then he ended up signing a I believe it was a five-year 48 million extension or something like that 48 million dollar contract extension and he returned to practice so well, you can buy a lot you, of Advil with 48 million dollars I feel really good about it you, you can do a lot of things with 48 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> um 
So, Joe Mixon's a, a weird, I don't know, for me and, and Matt, I want to hear your opinion on this, but like, he should be better than what he's produced at. And he he's constantly, for me, looking like he's getting drafted 7th, 6th, 7th, like after your, like, Derrick Henry's and, and Dalvin Cook's and then obviously like your big four running backs. So he's kind of a mid to late first round. I feel like he should be like he should produce higher, but I feel like the offense he's in holds him back. Now, when you look at the weapons they have, obviously you get Joe Burrows who can change a lot of things, but you have Tyler Boyd, you have AJ Green, like it's the offensive line is the one that concerns me the most, and I feel like with how bad that offensive line is, it holds Mixon back. So while he has the talent to be that number one or top or RB1, the offensive line makes him an RB2. But at the same time, I look at this offense and I'm like, wow, these guys could be a top five offense in the league. Like I just, yeah. it's very hard for me to get a read on them. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of these flag plant players. Um, there's a bunch of them out there, but this one's a very interesting one because I would agree with you that I think the range of outcomes for Joe Mixon is the running back one, or as we saw last year, um, unplayable. Uh, like yeah. he was so bad early in the year last year that um, he was getting cut to waiver wires. He was so bad. Um, that's you know that's that's really rough. I mean, I think we all know that the talents there. But the line hasn't gotten that much better. Um, I mean, certainly they've, they've gotten some injured players back, uh, mm-hmm. but this still is not a great offensive line. Um, regardless, I think, of what you think of Burrow's talent, we know that tran- transitioning to the NFL, even in a normal year, is very challenging, and this is anything but normal. Um, I, I've, I've got a lot of concerns about Joe Mixon, um, at least what we saw last year. This is someone that when Cincinnati gives him the volume – is someone that can be incredible. Um, will they be willing week in and week out to give him that level of volume? I mean, we're talking like 20 plus carries is what he was getting like toward the end of last year, mm-hmm. every game. Um, you know, will they commit to doing that? I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, you could see it one way, one way or the other, I guess. I mean, you could look at all the weapons on the outside and say, you know, they're going to be trailing. They're going to be throwing a lot. They don't seem to throw to mix in. He's not going to be any good. Um, or you can look at it on the flip side and say, behind a bad offensive line, would you really want to expose your young quarterback to that many hits? Mm-hmm. Why not turn around and hand the ball to Joe Mixon 20 times? You know, so in, in that sense, I think you can kind of talk yourself into it one way or another. <laughs> yeah, or, or even dump it off in the passing game. Right. So I don't know. He's, um, he's polarizing for sure. I yeah. think at least where I am right now, I'm interested in Mixon, um, but some of the players he's going around, um, I find myself being more interested in some of those players. So, you know, if if Mixon is to slide, like, you know, he's still to me in that upper tier, mm-hmm. the upper tier that, you know, at least for me, probably ends with Miles Sanders, um, that upper tier of running back. Um, if he slides toward the back of that upper tier, I'm, I'm very interested. Um yeah. But, you know, like, would I would I jump high to get him? So you were talking about, like, you know, sixth overall. Probably not. I, I think I feel more comfortable with other players there. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, the other news was Dalvin Cook. I, I, I don't know what the situation with Dalvin Cook is. It, it sounds like he was holding out. It sounds like he's in practice. I, I don't know 
where he lands. I, the way the new um, CBA is, it kind of takes away any player's recourse of kind of holding out. So I'm not too worried about him. I think if, again, if Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon are, are are on the board and it's my turn to pick and knowing Joe Mixon already has his contract, I'm still probably going Dalvin Cook. So you have that level of confidence that Cook yeah. is going to play. I just, they, they don't really have a lot of recourse to hold out. Like, he's going to be on the field. Now, if you want to talk about him missing practice, and obviously, like, he's very injury prone, you open yourself up to risks of he's not ready to go for the regular season and he potentially could get hurt. Like, okay, I can understand that reservation, but I think he's going to be out there. Like, I don't have any concerns about him holding out. Cool. And then the running back that's actually being taken higher than <laughs> both these two, uh, Alvin Kamara. What are you hearing there? <laughs> this is by far probably one of the most bizarre um, negotiations I've seen in a very long time. So I guess Alvin Kamara and the Saints had been working on a contract negotiation, and the Saints essentially, like, got up from the table and said, no, we're not going to do this. Like, we're going to try to trade you. And everyone was like, for about two hours, like, where's Alvin Kamara going to go? Like, everyone with their trade scenarios and things like that. Again, you hear, oh, the Patriots are going to get him, blah, 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 blah. Um, That quickly changed, and now it sounds like Kamara and Sean Payton had a heart-to-heart, and now everything's good and and they're still working towards a a contract negotiation again Alvin Kamara I don't think is someone who's going to hold out I'm not too concerned about that because it seemed like it was the team that was like no like we're good um but Alvin Kamara does have some injury concerns because at the same time this was coming out there was news of Alvin Kamara getting a shot then it's an epidural and there's a very wide range of potential reasons why he would be getting those and and the severity of each of those um everything I saw it sounded like it was okay it sounded like it was something um that a lot of runners get an injury that runners get and it was just a shot to help with the inflammation so for me again I'm not too concerned about drafting Alvin Kamara He's probably going in in the upper half of your first round. I would be comfortable taking him there. And I think that's great for people to hear because this is easily the weirdest of all of these. Um, Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, there's a lot of bizarre stuff out here. Um, I think when all of the dust settles there, you're still looking at a player who has had 80-plus catches every year of his career and in a PPR league that's incredible, Um, the the baseline there, you know, the, the floor for a player of that you know, caliber. Um, and you know, someone that is a player that can challenge 15 plus touchdowns, which you just don't, you don't really Mm -hmm. see that in one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, he's definitely polarizing because I think he burned a lot of people last year. Um, but you know, he also won people a lot of championships the year before that. (laughs) So yeah, Camara is fascinating for sure. Cool. Uh, there's a there's been a lot of news out there, so I'm glad we were able to take a little time to go through that. Um, in particular, um, some of these you know high value players that we were just discussing, both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, uh, to get you up to speed so that you're ready for your drafts that are coming up. 
So now we're going to go into tight ends. So in most leagues, this tends to be a onesie position, meaning you only draft and play one tight end. Well, you might draft more than one, but you only play one. Uh, there's some leagues out there that do um, like a point, uh, essentially an escalator. So like uh, 1.75 points for reception for a tight end, essentially to make tight ends more valuable. Um, but in general, most leagues, you know, the, the tight ends play by the same rules as the rest of the positions. And if you only play one of them, it devalues the position. Um, that doesn't mean it devalues all the players. Um, and we're going to certainly talk about some of those players briefly right now. So here are your tight end ones for 2020, uh, with the, the, the least surprising, um, of all these positions, Travis Kelsey, of course, is the one George Kittle, Mark Andrews. Zach Ertz, Darren Waller at number five, Evan Engram at six, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, Jared Cook, Rob Gronkowski, and Austin Hooper rounding out uh, the tight end ones. So Brandon, who is a tight end one that you are higher on? So for me, the one tight end that I'm higher on is Hayden Hurst. Um, he went from Baltimore, now he's playing for the Falcons. I mean, I don't think he ever really reached his full potential with the Ravens. I mean, they did use a first-round pick on him, so he's clearly talented. Um, he now goes to a pass-heavy offense in Atlanta with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who's made his tight ends very valuable in fantasy football over the years, Tony Gonzalez, Austin Hooper. Um, he's now playing with good wide receivers on the outside in Julio and Calvin Ridley, so Defenses aren't necessarily going to be able to key in on him. He should have some winnable matchups there. Um, so for me, I think the one tight end that I am higher on, it's it's got to be Hayden Hurst. Um, how about you? Who's who's the tight end that you're higher on? Um, so I'll, I'll just talk briefly about Hurst. I do love that call. I, I like Hurst as well. I think there's definitely some opportunity um, for some pretty good volume there. Um, I think people might forget this, but, you know, I – before Austin Hooper got hurt, he was the tight end one. I mean, he mm -hmm. was above he was above Kelsey and Kittle, which is crazy, the amount of volume he was getting. I'm certainly not saying for a second, I don't think Brandon is either, that Hayden Hurst is going to come in and eclipse Kelsey and Kittle. Um, th the point there being that Matt Ryan has shown a willingness to throw the ball to the, to the tight end. Um, will that translate over to Hayden Hurst? You know, that that's to be seen, but the opportunity is definitely there. I, I love that call. Um, I'm actually a little higher on Zach Ertz. Um, so this is another one. Um, there's a, a few that we've talked about like this. I wouldn't draft Ertz over any of the big three of Kelsey, Kittle, or Andrews. With that being said, I think that in particular for the tight end position, when people think about tiers, there's kind of like Kelsey and Kittle who go really high, you know, usually in like your second or third round. Andrews is right around there. And then I think in people's minds there's like a gulf and then you get to like Ertz, Waller, Evan Engram, Henry. Um, I, I'm suggesting that I think you should push Ertz up toward Andrews, Kelsey and Kittle. Um, the reason being he's so safe. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to claim for a second that you're going to get the tight end one if you draft Zach Ertz. Um, but what you are going to get is a lot of volume. The reason you're going to get a lot of volume is, is that Philadelphia is a dumpster fire. Um, 
not not the city. Wonderful people. I've been to Philadelphia. I, I, I love the city. Um, the team, specifically the receiving core, absolute dumpster fire. Um, last year, you know, it seemed like every single player got hurt, um, and they are well on their way to doing that again this year. Alshon Jeffries on the pup. Their promising rookie Jalen Rager is now hurt. He's going to be missing the beginning of the year. Um, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, always a great value in drafts, um, but never stays healthy. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't wish any ill on Deshaun Jackson. I hope very much that he stays healthy. But this is an older receiver with a history of injury issues. Um, the odds are not in his favor. Who does that leave? Zach Ertz. Always there. Um this man, especially in the beginning of the year, before they get some of their options back, like Jeffrey and Rager, he's going to soak up every target, every target. <laughs> there's, there's no one else for Carson Wentz to throw the ball to. Um, this also means that if Goddard's on the field, Goddard, I think, is going to be a value as well early on because I, I just don't know who else they're going to throw to. Um, so uh, once again, I, I'm not claiming that you should um, take Ertz you know, over the big three. Uh, but I do think that he's incredibly safe. So if you miss out on the big three, if you don't want to play uh, the the roulette wheel that is the tight end position, I think Ertz is probably your last opportunity uh, to get off of that roulette wheel. Uh, he's he's going to be incredibly safe, especially early on. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Ertz as a player. Again, you kind of mentioned him. My biggest concern is obviously Dallas Goddard. Um, at some point, they need to start incorporating him more into their offense um and part of me feels like that's this year um so yeah i mean i think Ertz has been very safe over the years i'm just it's like i'm just waiting for like the other shoe to drop with goddard like at some point he's going to be a bigger part of their offense yeah it certainly could um you know right now last five years with Ertz, you're looking at tight end nine six three two five um, you know, at the tight end position, that's about as safe as it's going to get mm-hmm. outside, you know, of that big three. So I think there's a lot of value there for Ertz. In terms of a tight end that I'm lower on uh, in that tight end one range, uh, this, you know, this could be due to my fandom for the Giants, uh, but I'm lower on Evan Ingram. Um, mostly the the reason that I'm, I'm lower on him has nothing to do with the player. Um, it at a position where there's a number of athletically gifted players, for my money, Evan Engram is easily the most athletic tight end out there. I, I'm, and that's no disrespect to Kittle, you know, or any OJ Howard, any of the other guys out there. Engram is a freak. Um, he's basically a, a wide receiver that's the size of a tight end, <laughs> um, <laughs> which you just don't really find. Um, unfortunately. His body does not like that he's so fast at that size, and he gets hurt every year. Um, so here's three numbers, uh, 15, 11, 8. Those are the number of games that Evan Engram has played every year in his career. That's not good that they're descending. Um, <laughs> you don't want to see your tight end playing less games every year. Um, and then even when he's on the field, um, and, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Ertz, He's been, so far in his career, very dependent on high volume to be successful. Um, so his first year, you know, when everyone was very excited, a lot of his volume came when Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt. Um, and, you know, Sterling Shepard was in and out of the lineup, and essentially Engram was the only show in town. Um, 
there's been other spurts when he's been healthy where same thing a lot of other people are hurt engram's the only show in town um does that mean that i don't think he's going to be good no um but right now we are looking at the tight end six coming off of the board um there's just no way i'm going to pay that price for evan engram you know where i think he's going to go injury concerns volume concerns um i'm definitely out on evan engram at that price if he slides into the double digit rounds I would, I would love to, uh, you know, take take a spin of the wheel, um, <laughs> see what happens with Ingram. Um, but at that high price, no, no way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. Again, I'm always concerned about drafting players with injury concerns, especially higher in in the early rounds of drafts. So yeah, I probably will be avoiding Evan Ingram as well. Who's a player in the tight end ones that you're lower on, Brandon? So. <laughs> I told you this before we started, but I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here on this guy because <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Where, why, where is the love for Tyler Higby? Like, why is everyone thinking that he's going to be this breakout star? Like, obviously, like he had a great end to the year last year. He had what over the final, I'm looking here, final five games. He had over a hundred yards in in four of them. He had two touchdowns. He had at least seven receptions in in all five games. Like, I get that. But when you look at the circumstances around that stretch, he is going to disappoint a lot of people this year. Over that five-game stretch, there's no Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett returns, and he's going to be playing. So he's going to cut into Tyler Higby's snap count. From week one to week nine, when Everett was healthy, Higby played less than 60% of the snaps. From week 12 to week 16, Higby played nearly 90. So, like, he's not going to get that kind of level of play um, now that Everett's returned. The other thing is two of those games was against Arizona. Arizona was trash against the tight end. Like, I probably could have went out onto the field, lined up a tight end, and, and caught five passes for 60 yards and a touchdown like they oh, were I think just absolutely so, you could have <laughs> they were so bad so okay so now do you remember the at, awesome tj hawkinson game yeah and like, i say it, specifically it just, game because it was literally the only good game he had the entire year that was against arizona exactly like they were just god awful against the tight end so now you look at that and and so you have no gerald everett you have a guy who just gets a bump in play he goes up against the worst team defending his position twice and then on top of that like he really wasn't like for me at least tight ends are very hard like there's not a lot of depth at the position so you have to figure out ways to find value for me one of the things I'm looking at for a tight end is how many times are they getting targeted in the red zone because they're probably not a high volume um in the passing attack. So they're not going to see a lot of targets. They're not going to see a lot of reception. So you're kind of banking on them catching three balls, 30 yards and, and getting that touchdown. So I'm looking at guys that get targets inside the 10, inside the 10 yard line during this five game stretch, Tyler Higby had five targets inside the 10 yard line Four of them came against Arizona. Literally, he had one target inside the 10-yard line in the other three games. Like, it's just, 
anyone who thinks that like they're going to take Tyler Higby and they're going to get tight end one value again is going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I th- I think that this is this one's all about expectation. Um, so I w- I will say beforehand that I'm actually in on Higby um, at his price. Um, I think that if he goes any higher than where he's going right now, then I would be out. But um, in a lot of mocks I've looked at and things like that, Higby seems to slide. Um, he was like the absolute hotness. Like in the off season, I felt like he was going to climb up into you know top five territory. That never happened, and because of that, I'm I'm still in on Higby. Um, but I I'm glad that you brought up all those points because for some folks, especially early in the off season that were super in on Higby, there's still yeah. a lot of risk here. Um, the only thing I'll say, I think on the flip side of that is there, there absolutely was a lot working in his favor. Um, there's been a lot working in favor of a lot of tight ends and no one yeah. does what Tyler Higby did. <laughs> um, like, I mean that, that stretch <clears throat> granted, I know it was only five games, but that's still an insane five game stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point, if you draft him thinking that you're going to get that, you're going to be extremely disappointed. Um, do I think that he's worth a flyer, you know, as the eighth tight end off of the board, you know, in a position that is generally a wasteland? Um, I think he's worth a shot. Um, I think the bigger issue is, uh, and this, you know, comes back to what we've been talking about earlier. Um, who do you believe in at that range? Um and, you know, you talked about Hayden Hurst. I would draft Hurst over Higby. Um, you know, Cook is interesting. Um, you know, so there's other guys that are going around where Higby's going. And and I think that's where it's probably, at least for me, that's where it's going to get dicey. I'm, I'm interested in Higby. Um, I'm not sure how many times I'm going to draft him this year just because of some of the people around him. Yeah, I mean, again, I think for me, where... Higby is going, I'm not going to use my pick on him. And again, because there's the Hayden Hurst, there's the Jared Cooks. Even like as you get farther down, like a Mike Gesicki, I think Mike Gesicki is going to be more involved in the Dolphins' offense than Higby is going to be in the Rams. Um, Noah Fan, Janu Smith, um, Blake Jarwin, who we'll talk about here in a second, but like those are all guys that where they're going in drafts, I'd rather have over Tyler Higby. Well, that's a pretty professional transition there, Brandon. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, um, a, a name outside of the tight end one group, you know, a, a flyer or a sleeper that you're interested in. Yeah. And, and obviously Blake Jarwin's going to be my pick here. I, I think there's a potential for him to move up into, into the tight end one right now. He's 18th at tight ends and just kind of looking at the stats like last year he had to split time with Jason Winton who somehow is still playing in the NFL um it's because of those hands and, yep <laughs> he, um, he loved to show the people the hands when he was in the booth <laughs> yes he did yes he, he's got magical hands um it's like Ricky Bobby he didn't know what to do with the hands they just kept floating <laughs> up into the screen <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> well, well, Witten took those hands and he went to Las Vegas and he's now with the Raiders. Um, but Blake Jarwin now steps in as, as their top tight end in a, in a very explosive offense, probably one that's going to be pass heavy. Um, 
And when you look at his stats last year, so he played only 39% of the offensive uh, snaps for the Cowboys. In those, in that 39%, he had 41 targets. He had 31 receptions, 365 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying, like, in theory, he probably doubles his snap count. Not saying he's going to double those stats, but, I mean, you're potentially looking at a guy who could end up with 55 receptions, like 600 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, that's phenomenal for a tight end. I think he's still going to be a very big part of that offense, and, and I could see him having a breakout year this year. It could definitely happen. I mean, the d- despite all of the weapons there, like yeah. Dak just loves him some tight end apparently, and he you know even with Witten there, Dak always looked Witten's way. Um, yep. Third downs in the red zone. Um, yeah, and I, on your advice, I actually took Blake Jarwin last night. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how the ride goes. Um, hurts, hurts me a little <laughs> bit inside to draft Cowboys, but you know, that's the, I was going to say that was probably pretty painful. A little bit, a little bit. Um, but that's, I'm, I'm slowly getting over it. We'll, <laughs> we'll get there together. Um, so one, um, that I'm interested in is Chris Herndon. Um, now there has been some injury news on Herndon. There always seems to be injury news on Chris Herndon. Um, you know, but the guys we're talking about here, if you're in a one tight end league, these guys are free, you know? So like you get to this point, you take your shot, you know, whoever yep. you believe in. And then if it doesn't work out, you cut them, you take another shot and you spin the wheel next week. Um, Herndon, you know, I, what I like about Herndon is the potential for target volume. So who is the number one receiving option for the New York Jets? Okay. They're not great, but I do know who the, the Jets receivers are. You have Rashad Perryman, Denzel Mims, Jameson Crowder, but obviously the problem is is that no one can stay healthy there. No, and there's not a tremendous amount of talent either. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, I think for what we all know is going to be a very bad team, we're, yeah. we're sorry for you, Sam Darnold. Um, it, it's really going to come down to who does Darnold get comfortable with. Um, yeah. We know that he's comfortable with Crowder. You know, I think Crowder's very safe there. But then it's up in the air. Um, you know, the the rest of the the folks there are all new. Um, who knows what's happening with Lev Bell? That's a story for another day. Um, Herndon, I mean, there's it's possible, right? You know, and um, Mike yeah. Mike Tagliere for Fantasy Pros, you know, does some really interesting um, statistical analysis. And one of the things he looked at for tight ends is that it's easily the most predictable position based on volume. If you can predict the volume, you can predict that they're going to be a tight end one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Herndon, I think when you're thinking about late dart throws for tight ends, just look at the roster. Like, <laughs> if yeah. this roster looks like a dumpster fire, then there's an opportunity here for volume. Um, and if that volume goes to the tight end, you're going to know pretty quickly and you might have something there. And if it doesn't, then you move on. Um, I think Herndon's interesting because it's possible. It's it's not a great depth chart in front of him. He's got the opportunity for the volume. And then I want just one quick um, uh, discussion about O.J. Howard and Rob Gronkowski because this is just a fascinating one to me. So you've got Howard down at like tight end 25 right now, you know, which is like even in two tight ends league, basically undrafted, which is insane because he was the tight end four last year. Um, So there was a lot of people I remember saying like, man, like with all that talent, O.J. Howard is kind of like Rob Gronkowski thinking about like, what would it be if O.J. Howard played on the Patriots? I remember hearing people talk about that. 
Well, the Patriots sent their quarterback to OJ Howard. <laughs> and now he's the tight end 25. Um, so I, I understand that Gronk is there. Um, but let's remember that, well, let's let's play a game. Um, <laughs> what? When was the last time that Rob Gronkowski played 16 games? Can you guess a year, Brandon? Uh, 2015. 2011. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a decade ago. Now, yep. to be fair to Gronk, it's not like those were all years that he played eight games. Like he he got in like thirteen or more in a number of those years. Um, but that that like would cut it for elite Rob Gronkowski. You know, even if he only played thirteen games, he still finished as one of the top three tight ends back in the day. We need to remember that like this is not that Rob Gronkowski. Um, and I think the fantasy community might be thinking about this one in the wrong direction. Um, what if Gronk is the part-time player and OJ Howard is the full-time player? What does that do for OJ Howard's value? Um, we know that Tom Brady has always loved to throw to athletic tight ends. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, there was like a significant portion of his career where they built offenses around an athletic tight end. What, what if OJ Howard is that guy? How good could he be? Um, am I telling you to go out there and, you know, take your shot at OJ Howard. Not necessarily. Um, but I do think he's someone you need to watch very carefully. Um, because this is someone, you know, where if, if he gains Brady's trust and Brady's looking his way, Howard could be a monster. Um, we need to remember that Gronk is probably still, you know, even at this point in his career, the best blocking tight end in the league. Um, they're going to let Gronk do his thing in terms of blocking. Um, Howard's a good blocker too. I think you're going to see these guys in the field a lot together. And then I think that Gronk's going to get a lot of breaks. Howard could actually be the one that plays more snaps here. And if he does, he could be the value. I'm definitely out on Rob Gronkowski. I'm not drafting him. Um, but I would keep an eye on OJ Howard because I think he's being overlooked by the community. He could be awesome. So, again, this Bucks offense is just a nightmare for me to try to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, obviously, like, I kind of equate the Leonard Fournette move to what they did at tight end. Like, Tom Brady, I, you know Tom Brady has a lot of pull in that organization right now. And if Tom Brady was confident in O.J. Howard, they probably don't sign Gronk. And even before they brought in Gronk, like, they never fully committed to O.J. Howard. Like, let's not forget, they still have Cameron Braid on that team, who they gave ridiculous contract extension to what last year I think or the year before like they've never fully committed to OJ Howard and now you're you have Tom Brady who comes in like he knows who he wants to play with like if he knew OJ Howard could fill the role that he needs at tight end they probably don't bring Gronk in but like it was almost like they were actively like recruiting Gronk to come back and it just Let's remember, though, one of the most innovative offenses that I've seen in the last couple of decades was the Aaron Hernandez-Gronk yeah. offense. Um, 100%. And Brady was incredible in that offense. You know, I think yeah. having two players that could block, that could get out there and catch passes, Brady was able to mask everything that the offense was doing. Um, it, all the moves that they've been making feel like it's going in that direction. Um, with that kind of an offense, you could still have Godwin and Evans in there have one running back in the backfield two tight ends and Brady can mask what he's doing um yeah and I 
We'll see, but I feel like that's the direction that this one's going in, if it functions. If it doesn't function, they'll go in a different direction. Um, but remember, they did pick up O.J. Howard's fifth-year option. He was a first-round yep. He was a first round pick, which means, you know, that's a lot of money that you're committing to a player. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to pick up that option and commit all those dollars to O.J. Howard. I do think they believe in him. Um, once again, don't hear what I'm not saying here. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not telling you. I'm not. I'm not even sure I would draft OJ Howard. There's a lot of other yeah. players with much more guaranteed uh, volume. But yeah. am I keeping a very close eye on OJ Howard week one? Absolutely. Because um, if you see the targets go his way from Brady, if he plays more snaps than Gronk, which he absolutely might, um, you you could be looking at lightning in a bottle with OJ Howard. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that the takeaway from this conversation is do not draft Gronk and either watch O.J. Howard very quickly or use your last pick on him. Like, I think, yeah, those are the high-level takeaways. I'm just I'm just fascinated by what the Bucks in general have been doing this offseason. It's a very interesting team. There's no doubt about that. And they actually have some interesting linebackers. Um we are we're going to transition over to linebackers um, to to get some of that in. This is a very deep position. We are um, not going to go uh, particularly deep on it, um, but we are going to try to talk about some linebacker ones, twos, and threes for you to get you ready for your draft. Uh, just some some players quickly that we're higher on and lower on. Um, there's not a tremendous amount of consensus with these things. And, and as we've always told you, a lot of this is going to be dependent on your league format and your scoring. So, you know, take all of this with a grain of salt. Um, but as always, we use the fantasy pros expert consensus ranking, the ECR, um, to, you know, lay out who, um, the, the community so far is, is looking at. So we'll start with the linebacker ones. Uh, we have Darius Leonard, Bobby Wagner, Blake Martinez, Corey Littleton, Joe Schobert, Jalon Smith, Roquan Smith, Jordan Hicks, Levante David, Deion Jones, Demario Davis. Really? Is Demar is Demario Davis? No way. Um, Terrell Edmonds. I'm gonna have to look that one up because that doesn't seem right. Um, <clears throat> all right. Anyway. Uh, and we're back um who's a linebacker one that you are higher on brandon okay so for me the one linebacker that i am higher on and obviously like he can't go much higher but it's number two uh bobby wagner i don't know if people realize this but the linebacker position is incredibly volatile like year over year and typically when i'm looking at linebackers the one thing that I'm looking at is just total tackles. Again, I kind of equate the total tackles to targets for an offensive player. So tackles is the one thing that I want consistently week in and week out. You look at middle linebackers, inside linebackers. Those are the ones that are probably going to get the most. Those are the ones that I'm targeting. So I went back and I looked over the past four years. Do you know how many linebackers finished in the top 10 in tackles? Um, over the last four years? I do not. There was one linebacker, and that was Bobby Wagner. Wow. He's the only linebacker who has finished in the top 10 in total tackles each of the past four years. So, again, when I'm looking at consistency, when I'm looking at a guy that I'm going to potentially invest a high pick in, for me, 
Bobby Wagner's as safe as you're going to get at the position. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, this is similar to what we talked about with Landon Collins, uh, and Bobby Wagner's incredibly safe. Um, I, I did something similar. We're going to put some more of this research out, um, you know, and I think future podcasts and probably some tweets here and there. Um, but to Brandon's point, I had looked at, um, you know, according to fantasy data, uh, year by year, how frequently players finish as a one and then repeat the next year. And for linebackers, you had, uh, let's see, 12, uh, 19 out of 48. So this was over a five-year sample um, from 2015 to 2019. Uh, only 19 out of the 48 repeated. Um, so, I mean, it's it, it's tough to predict. Um, and, you know, I think part of what Brandon's saying, you know, and I'll echo his sentiments here, is that, if you're going to invest a high pick on a linebacker, you want to be sure that you're going to be right. <laughs> because yeah. if you're not, um, that one could really hurt. Um, and of course, it's always going to depend on your league too. So um, we've we've told you, you know, in, in our league that there's a, a pretty high premium on getting linebackers because you end up playing so many of them. Um, so you don't really have a choice in our league. You go high for linebackers <laughs> because if you don't, um, you know, you're, you're going to be in some trouble. Um, Along the lines of Brandon, one that I'm high on toward the top is the top player, Darius Leonard. Uh, so Brandon did this with Michael Thomas. So now I'm going to do this with Darius Leonard uh, because I can. Um, <laughs> so obviously you can't take Darius Leonard higher than number one. And normally I wouldn't tell you to take a number one player high. Um, but if you're going to spend a high pick on a linebacker, uh, Darius Leonard, you know, that that's about as good as it gets. Um, so his rookie year, he was the head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Linebacker one. Um, he was just incredible. Last year, he got hurt. Despite that, he was still the per game linebacker one. Um, so if you invested a high pick on him last year, it probably didn't feel great, especially the weeks that he was out. But at least when he was on the field, you still had what you drafted. Um, it's pretty rare to have a linebacker go back to back being the per game, you know, linebacker one, yeah. um, for Darius Leonard to start his career with two of those performances with the only major change to that defense being adding an absolutely dominant defensive tackle, which is always helpful for linebackers because that's more attention, more blockers, um, that are not going to be coming toward Darius Leonard. Uh, if you're going to invest a high pick, it's okay to reach for Darius Leonard. He's that good. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Darius Leonard. I, again, for me, I would rather wait around and get Bobby Wagner, but I'm not going to fault anyone who, who goes after Darius Leonard just because of what he's done in the first two years in the league. Absolutely. Now, one I'm lower on is Roquan Smith. Um, so, I mean, I'll be interested in your perspective on this, Brandon, but I just don't get it. Um so Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, who's his linebacker mate there in um, Chicago, their per game numbers really aren't that different. Um, but Roquan Smith is going to be a linebacker one cost for you. And Trevathan's cost is linebacker three. Um, for me, this is this one's all about cost. I, I don't mind Roquan Smith. He's a good player, but I'd much rather have Trevathan than Roquan Smith at that cost. Um, you know, Smith was hurt last year. He's a he's a fine player, but I at least for me, I don't really see the upside as like a potential, you know, like the LB one. Um, he's had a little bit of an injury, 
you know, history, not a, a huge one, but he was hurt last year. I know Trevathan has his own issues, but at least at a linebacker three cost, Trevathan, you know, if it doesn't work out, it is what it is. But if you invest a high pick in Roquan Smith and it doesn't work out, um, you know, that that's more troubling. I, for all these linebackers in the top, I just, I don't know, he, he makes me queasy. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I, I get why he's there. I think he has the much higher ceiling. I think he's just he's got that potential for the big plays more than Trevathan. But again, it comes down to cost. Like I'd rather wait a couple of rounds and get Trevathan knowing that he's going to be steady for me versus investing on a, a Roquan Smith who could not necessarily bust, but not produce at a level that you would expect at that draft cost. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to transition over to the linebacker twos, uh, the linebacker twos. We have Zach Cunningham, Fred Warner, Devin White, Christian Kirksey, Leighton Vanderesh, Devin Bush, Shaq Thompson, Jayon Brown, Eric Kendricks, uh, Jerome Baker, JJ Watt. No, TJ Watt. TJ Watt. This is definitely TJ Watt. TJ Watt <laughs> and Todd Davis. Um, so one that I'm higher on is Leighton Vanderesh. Um, this one's pretty simple. You know, this is still the same player that was incredible his rookie year. He was being drafted in the top five last year at the linebacker position. He had a, a banged up, relatively ineffective year last year. Um, and, you know, unlike Roquan Smith, <laughs> Leighton Vanderesh's price has dropped precipitously into the middle of linebacker two territory. I mean, if you have the, the bounce back that you're expecting from Leighton Vanderesh, to me, this is a steal in the second round. Yeah, no, I would agree with you on that one. For me, the linebacker that I'm higher on is Devin Bush with the Steelers. I think that last year, him and White were both viewed as like surefire rookie linebackers. They struggled a little bit, but then kind of picked it up late. For me, Devin Bush, he finished with over 100 total tackles, two interceptions, one forced fumble, one sack. And he did it on 82% of the, the snaps. I think his snaps are, is going to be above 90, probably close to 95%. And him being on the field more is only going to help his stat total. Absolutely. Uh, and who's uh, linebacker two that you're a little lower on? Yeah, I think me and you are kind of both um, on the same page with this guy. But Christian Kirksey, uh, he's now in Green Bay. I think it's a good situation. My fear is obviously injuries. He just can't stay healthy. He's had he's played in nine total games the, two, the past two years. Um, I think if is he stays bad? healthy, then yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> how many games are played in a football season? Like, <laughs> I think it's more than nine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more than nine over two years. Um, it, it just I don't know. Like I think it's a good. He lands in a good spot. I I think that the the Packers linebackers usually produce, especially the inside ones. It's just he can't get out, he can't stay on the field, and, and I'm very hesitant to use a high pick on someone like that. Yeah, I think if Kirksey was in the linebacker three range, I'd be all over it. Um, yep. This is a recent phenomenon. I mean, his first four years, he played all 16 games, but um, but when you're talking about less than half of the games, as Brandon pointed out, the the last yeah. two years, uh, that's that's dangerous. I can't blame you for taking a swing because. If it hits and he plays all the games, I mean, there's top yeah. five linebacker potential here. Um, but, yeah, that's that's going to be a little rough at that cost for me as well. Yeah. All right, so our linebacker threes are, um, we talked about this person earlier, but Danny Trevathan, 
let's see, Rashawn Evans, Patrick Queen, Khalil Mack, I think that's Chandler Jones, uh, Matt Milano, Shaq Barrett, Quan Alexander, KJ Wright, Isaiah Simmons, Miles Jack, and I'm not sure who Walker is. So I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. Probably uh, Anthony Walker. Yeah, that would make sense. Man, Anthony Walker with the Colts. He's so vanilla. I, I get it. Like, he's there. He's super consistent. There's like, that must be the least sexy player ever, Anthony Walker. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just there and he gets the job done. You need those players, by the way. This is not me telling you don't draft Anthony Walker. Like, I forgot his first name because literally he's so vanilla. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I was struggling with Anthony Walker. Um, okay, linebacker threes. Um, so a linebacker three that I'm higher on is Khalil Mack. Um, so once again, know your format. Um, but last year was the first year in the last five years that Khalil Mack has not been a top 10 linebacker. Um, from 2015 to 2018, he was an incredible DL1. Um, a couple of those years finishing right up in the top three. Last year, of course, he had a, a slightly down year. Um, but, uh, you know, this year... I think, you know, the, the hope there is with improved play at defensive end, especially across from him, Leonard Floyd's not there anymore, and Leonard Floyd never really seemed to pan out in Chicago. Um, I think the hope in Chicago is a reinvigorated Khalil Mack is going to be terrorizing quarterbacks once again. Um, I think that in a league that, that values sacks um, and defensive end play, Khalil Mack as a linebacker three is stealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, again... You keep you mentioned it, but it's important. Like know your position. If Khalil Mack's um, position is a defensive end, then he's significantly more valuable. But for the most part, he's been labeled as a linebacker, and that's kind of what has been holding him back and, and where to go get him. Absolutely. And and who's in, uh, an LB three that you're higher on? So yeah, I'll, I'll quickly give you my LB threes that I'm higher and lower on, and they're actually both rookies. I'm higher on Patrick Queen. He goes to a great position in Baltimore. They obviously the days of Ray Lewis and um the inside linebacker has always produced within a Ravens defense, even just recently with CJ Mosley. Um I think Patrick Queen steps in. He's already stepped in as the starter. He's in a perfect fit. I think he's gonna produce probably like an L B two, maybe a low L B one, I think. Um one that I'm lower on is Isaiah Simmons. Um, just because, again, I don't think the Cardinals have fully defined what his position is. I think they're going to kind of use him all over the field, which can be good. But also for a rookie, I think it's tough trying to learn all those roles. I think he's probably going to struggle early on. And, and the Cardinals do have pretty good linebackers. You talked about Chandler Jones. You have Jordan Hicks. Um, so I think he may struggle a little bit his rookie year. Yeah, I, I like those. Um, Simmons is going to be a really interesting one to keep your eye on week one. Um, as Brandon mentioned, you know, what does that look like for him? Um, he's someone that has the potential to be a true every down linebacker, meaning like regardless of what personnel is out there, he's still on the field. If that's the case in his first year, then this is a steal at linebacker three. If he's yeah. subbed out in like dime packages and things like that, if Jordan Hicks is the linebacker, um, then this might be a little too high to be investing in Isaiah Simmons. You should find out a lot about that week one, you know, what kind of trust they have in Simmons. Um, 
I I think the uh, the one that I'm lower on is Miles Jack, and honestly, I just don't get it. Um, he he really hasn't lived up to expectation. We remember that this was a high draft pick. A lot of people were really excited. This was like Isaiah Simmons before Isaiah Simmons um, in terms of athleticism. Um, it's never really translated to tackle production. Jacksonville gave him a huge contract for no apparent reason. Um, they've moved him. This is now he's he's actually made it to every position linebacker <laughs> position um they started him on the strong side they moved into the middle none, none of those things work they've moved him to the weak side which is a position i mean this is where telvin smith was so this is a position that at least in theory can be valuable in the jacksonville defense there's certainly going to be opportunity um but I, i've just he hasn't every year i think we hope for miles jack to be great it never happens um yeah. i'm done hoping um i just don't see it uh i love joe schobert um you know but miles jack i i mean at this cost like would i blame you for taking the shot no um because he's not particularly expensive i'm just not taking the shot yeah i'm kind of with you on that one i think that at some point you kind of have to um give up and move on and i think that we're kind of close to that point where the idea of miles jack producing like a, a linebacker one has that ship has kind of sailed I, I definitely think so um all right so that's everything that we have for the linebackers we're going to uh kind of go over what to expect moving forward and then we'll let you go today um so our, our next episode we're going to do a little bit of this or that uh early next week we'll try to have it out by tuesday um and then some sleepers to keep an eye on for week one so we talked a little bit about that this week with oj howard isaiah simmons um we're going to have more of those sorts of things for you you know in terms of guys that might be on your waiver wire or might be on your bench that you know here's some things to keep an eye on week one so that you're ready to pounce um, to, to try to get these players, you know, if certain things uh, hit the right way. Um, and then uh, just to give you an idea of what you can expect now that football, um, amazingly, is actually here one week from today. Um, so for our normal lineup, we're going to be bringing you episodes um, every Tuesday and Friday. Our Tuesday episode, um, our plan is to get it out early in the morning um, or late Monday night so that you can listen to it in preparation for waiver wire. Um, many folks uh, have waiver wires, you know, where they have to get their things in on Tuesday night. We want that information out to you so that you know who you can pick up um, before you need to get those waiver claims in. And of course, we'll be talking about both offense and defense and how to prioritize those based on your lineup. And then on Friday or Saturday, um, we'll be getting out a show um, giving some start-sit advice, uh, some of the matchups, so that you're ready uh, to make those tough decisions on a week-in and week-out basis. That's what you can expect from us moving forward. We really appreciate um, all of the, the great feedback we've gotten. Um, as you have maybe have seen on social media, we're actually on Apple Podcasts now. We'd love it if you would uh, you know, rate and review us, subscribe. Um, that helps us a lot. It gets the word out there so that more people um, can access this content. Um, we would certainly love um, you know, a, a, an honest um, review about how we're doing. So if there's things that you like, we'd love to hear that. If it's things that you feel like we can continue to improve upon in this young podcast, we would love to hear that as well. Uh, we appreciate your support, and we will see you soon. Uh, from Brandon and I, have a great rest of your week.